Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Peter Waltz. Lately on the program, our discussions have focused on specific issues affecting businesses and organizations impacted by the pandemic, and always we have the benefit of bringing ELA lawyers from around the world into the discussion to help us address these key labor and employment matters. But today the discussion is about moving people around the world, particularly as it relates to immigration in the U.S. It's been a quiet week for immigration in the U.S., except uh, we got a late night tweet from our president, followed by a proclamation, a major proclamation that will impact immigration across the U.S. and around the world, by that matter. So let's talk about what is the proclamation, what is it not, and what are some of the concerns that we have going forward. We have a panel of our immigration experts joining us on the call. Elizabeth Gibbs, partner at Parker Poe in South Carolina. Jennifer Brown, partner at Ice Miller in Indiana. And Todd Patopoulos, partner at Butler Snow in Tennessee. Welcome, everybody. Good to be here. Hi. Good morning. Great to have you. So let's kick this off and really get a quick rundown of what it is. Elizabeth, can you take us kind of through the proclamation so we can share with our audience what the high points are? Sure. Thanks, Peter. Really, despite the breadth of the tweet that came out on April 20th, the proclamation itself, which was issued on April 22nd and went into effect last night on April 23rd, is far more limited as to the scope of immigrants or non-immigrants to which it would pertain. It's very limited to immigrants specifically, but those immigrants who are outside of the U.S. on the effective date of their proclamation those who do not have a valid immigrant visa on the effective date and who also do not have an official travel document on the effective date. And there's some detail there. There are a number of immigrants though who are also exempted from the order, including lawful permanent residents, individuals seeking to come really in the medical healthcare area who may already have an immigrant visa, those coming under the EB-5 program among some other spouses of U.S. citizens and some other exemptions. So while, again, on Monday night, it seemed as though we were going to get a major pause on immigration by the sounds of the tweet, in reality, the current proclamation is more limited to a number of immigrants rather than non-immigrants. Todd, jump in. What do you think? Sure. I think Elizabeth and Jen and I all had a lot of very concerned clients and their international talent calling us at the beginning of the week, wondering what in the world this was going to be, how it was going to impact them, and what the world was going to look like after this proclamation came out. And I think there was somewhat a sigh of relief, but I do think there is valid reason to be concerned going forward. The sigh of relief Pete, I think, comes from the fact, as, as Elizabeth outlined, that this is pretty tailored, that this restriction is pretty limited. I mean, it's, it's really green card applicants outside the U.S. That's the primary group that this is targeting. And whether that's effective truly at limiting an impact on the U.S. labor force, which were north of 26 million unemployed, is very, very debatable because this is a small segment of immigration. But what it does not impact are people that are inside the U.S. that are here on work visas like an H-1B or maybe students who are graduating and are looking to enter the workforce and changing status to an H-1B. So that's a, that's a significant side for relief. But Jen, I want to flip this over to you real quick because one of the things that really concerns me is this Section 6 
of the proclamation that talks about additional measures and 30-day look and advice to the president. Do you mind bringing everyone up to speed on that issue? Yeah, right. And, and before I do just one quick thing, we probably cannot belabor the point enough about the, the narrowness of the scope of the proclamation. And I think Todd, you did a great job summarizing that. But, but just one more time, this is limited to foreign nationals who are seeking green card outside of the U.S. So the questions that I'm getting, and I know the two of you are getting as well, are, I already have a green card. Does this affect me? No. Uh, I'm in the U.S. and I'm pursuing green card. Does this affect me? No. I'm outside of the U.S. and I'm getting ready to seek a temporary visa. Does this affect me? No. At least the, the scope of this particular proclamation, those are kind of the three big buckets that we're continuing to get questions about. And there's just a lot of panic and confusion, which when we govern by tweet, sometimes that happens, right? But to your specific question, question about where is this heading, that section six is the concern on the proclamation. It directs the uh, secretaries of labor, state and homeland security to look for ways in which the president might be able to take another look at non-immigrant or temporary visa programs. And I think that that's the part that has given all of us great pause. You know, our immediate reaction is, well, will we just see an uptick in auditing? Will we see an uptick in issuance of requests for evidence? The president's, of course, pretty limited on what he can do as the commander in chief, but there's a fair amount that he can do with respect to formal and informal policy. When we talk about legislative changes, obviously we need Congress's hand in that. And when we have more significant changes on policy, we need formal, the formal rulemaking requires public notice and comment. So I think it remains to be seen how far this goes. Well, certainly the last three years have taught us that you can do a lot to change the dynamics of non-immigrant visa applications by businesses for international talent without going through normal rulemaking, without changing regulations, without changing statutes, just simple policy tweaks and considerations can have dramatic ripple effects. I did see a report that Acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf was interviewed yesterday and said that they had been working on proposed tweaks to the non-immigrant visa system for months. So I do think that this 30-day look is a real deal. And I do think in the next 30 days that we're going to see some significant announcement, whether it's going to be something that's enforceable ultimately is a different question, you know, but the impact that that can have, whether it's enforceable or not as a practical matter is significant. So, you know, with that in mind, with this 30 day look in mind, Elizabeth, I'm curious what you're telling your clients right now, they're looking at renewals or, or maybe folks who, uh, who won in the visa lottery, you know, won quote unquote in the visa lottery and are wondering whether they should apply now or later. Thanks, Todd. And yes, I, I think that the issue and what we're now previewing in terms of the order or the proclamation itself is what will happen in the next 30 days and what can the administration do to further restrict incoming immigration into the United States. My practice, as you know, is primarily consular in doing L blankets and E's. And a lot of those clients are individuals who are abroad applying for visas. To the, the interview that you referenced, we have seen in the Foreign Affairs Manual a number of processing and interpretational changes published over the course of the past six to eight months, as we've seen a stricter standard of review, both at the consulate level as well as at the immigration level, in terms of 
how someone might qualify for a particular category. What we've been advising or I've been advising clients about is to look farther ahead. We've already started under the current administration to look much more in advance for extensions and processing needs for workforce in the U.S., but those that now may need to go to the consulate or would typically go to the consulate to apply for visas there, reviewing filing in the United States and planning against the fact that the president may be able to provide a further suspension on non-immigrant visas and entry into the United States. And I think this goes to the point of presidential authority to restrict immigration and at what point in that process can he do so? And I think we all have agreed based on the Supreme Court's decision in relation to the travel ban, uh, that it seems to be more entry into the United States as opposed to necessarily legal changes in the U.S. Yeah, I just think one of the things that we've got to give some consideration to is the circumstances in which this proclamation was released. It was obviously in direct reaction to, you know, just staggering unemployment and the notion of protecting the American workforce is, of course, paramount and top of mind for all of us. I think a little bit of the disconnect is this notion that we could somehow transition you know, a growing population of unemployed Americans into positions that are being held by foreign nationals is there's just a little bit of a disconnect there. Some of them won't be immediately available in the locations where the jobs are. Some of them won't be immediately qualified for the jobs that are available. So this idea that we somehow are going to be able to transition unemployed, you know, millions of unemployed Americans and deploy them into, you know, vegetable harvesting on one end of the economy and data science on the other end of the economy is a little misguided. So I, I think now is the time that the business community needs to step up and start telling our stories and making sure that it's clear both to the American public and to our members of Congress who these foreign nationals are, the critical role that they're playing within our economy, and that they're not replaceable by an unemployed American workforce necessarily. Now, some, sure, but there are some existing laws and regs on the books that would allow the government to, you know, pursue employers who are not complying fully with immigration law. Well, it sounds like a lot of topic going on there, gang. So we've identified what it is and we've identified kind of what it isn't or who it's not affecting, but let's spend a few minutes on what other big concerns are going forward. Anything to share there? I do think that anybody who's in the United States does need to review with their counsel their current status and debate and understand the implications of any travel. There are also other restrictions aside from this proclamation, such as the travel suspensions currently, consular operations being reduced, as is most of the workforce at the moment, but being reduced in terms of the amount of work that they're processing. And so there are other issues with traveling aside from this proclamation, and anyone currently in the U.S. should consider strongly whether it's time or what the risks of travel may be. What I did want to say in terms of previewing what we'll see, and, and to Jen's point, is it is important in any case, as it has been really at all, but more particularly in the past couple of years, is it's not a matter of 
looking for ways to, to find holes in the immigration laws, but a matter of making sure that you're compliant and in working your cases and coming to the U.S. or being in the U.S. in accordance with the immigration laws. So the stricter standard of review is not a change in the law itself, but we've all had to prepare cases far more detailed than we ever did before to demonstrate compliance with the law. And this is just, as we see these reviews and requests for finding other measures around the non-immigrant programs, until we see a change in the law, it's just really a matter of making sure that you understand what the qualifications under the law may be and being prepared both in your application as well as for any interviews you may have to understand how and why you qualify. So I think it's a matter of understanding the process in a way in which clients or foreign nationals may never have had to have done so before. Well, folks, thanks so much for that feedback. Any final comments from our group? The only other thing that occurs to me is, and I think we've hinted at this, but this proclamation is a good reminder that physical presence in the U.S. has some advantages. And so it is really continues to sort of reshape our thinking a little bit about immigration strategy around, do you really have to travel? Should you travel? The risks always have gone up potentially when you're not physically present in the U.S., So that concept isn't necessarily new, but this proclamation is a good reminder that if you're really nervous about your immigration status or if an employer is nervous about their employee's immigration status, maybe you should stay inside the U.S. And that may shift sort of the strategy historically about how we've handled some things. Great point. Elizabeth, another comment? The last thing I wanted to say, and I had meant to include this earlier, was simply that we need to tell the story of what benefits immigration has in the United States. We need to be out there in the public to explain all of the great things that immigration has done for this country and that we're really talking about creating jobs and all of those jobs that have been created as a result of foreign workers and foreign companies rather than focus on the negative because it's it's only through all of this global effort that we're going to come through this. And Todd, final comment from you? Yeah, just to piggyback on what Elizabeth just said, a disproportionate number of our country's entrepreneurs are immigrants, and a disproportionate number of our physicians and healthcare workers are immigrants. So this is a a workforce that really is essential if you're thinking about that in terms of both the current situation we find ourselves in and growth in the future. Great. Well, thanks, everybody, for your contribution. For our listeners, if you'd like to connect with Elizabeth, Jennifer, or Todd from today's program or any of our lawyers around the world, just search for them on the ELA website at ela.law. Let's go to the big Find a Lawyer widget in the center of the page. Click on the drop-down box, connect with the jurisdictions in over 170 jurisdictions around the world. Also, make sure to register on the website so you can sign up for invitations to webinars, download white papers, get access to our on-demand content or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.